Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Savvy Millennial Podcast, a community dedicated to ambitious and successful millennials. And today with us, we have Emily, and her story is extremely fascinating because she went from being a teacher to becoming a serial entrepreneur. Her and her partner own Hinter, a hotel company creating Scandinavian design spaces hidden in nature. They've won multiple awards for their design. During this pandemic, she also founded Bloom Class, which is a virtual education platform for children and youth. And recently, she launched her own podcast, which is called Finding Your Wave. During this episode, Emily will be sharing her tips and secrets on entrepreneurship, sustainability, and personal growth. And with that, let's jump straight into the episode. Hi, Emily. We're super excited to have you on here today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much, Maria. I'm so excited to be here. We're excited to have you here. Okay, so for all of our listeners and people who are watching, listening to our podcast, please tell us more about yourself, your background story, so we all know what you're all about. My name is Emily Padan, and I am from Montreal in Canada. I was a teacher for seven years, which was a beautiful chapter, and then suddenly I just had this urge to do something different with my life. I had the need to create, to feel like I was doing something different, inspiring, creative. And in my other job as a teacher, I had just felt like that was somehow slipping away from me. In 2019, I made the transition to entrepreneur. And I started out by doing that with alongside with my husband. And we created Hinter, which is a hotel company where we create Scandinavian design spaces that are hidden in nature right now only in Quebec, Canada, and we rent them out and then we plant 10 trees for every booking. So we create kind of this sanctuary for people to stay in and we also try to give back to the planet more than we take. And then in uh, amidst the pandemic in um, April or May 2020, I also founded my own company called Bloom Class, and that's a virtual education platform for kids and youth where we have extracurricular activities, we have one-on-one tutoring, workshops, all kinds of things like that. And I loved the model that we took for Hinter, so I stole it for Bloom Class as well, and I'm planting a tree for every class that is booked as well. So that's a little bit about me. Uh, I mean, there's so much more, but I, I know we're, we're here for a little while. We'll dive into that later. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing this. I love how you went from teaching to being an entrepreneur and leaving it all behind. And then now bringing it all back full circle and working in the same industry that I assume you're passionate about because in order to stay a teacher for seven years, you got to be passionate about it. The thing is, I loved working with children and I loved creating things that excited our youth and and inspired our youth, most importantly, not just the actual curriculum, math, English, science, but the curriculum of trying to make the planet a better place and doing good, being kind to others, making an impact. So that's what inspires me the most about education. But in a regular school setting, it wasn't serving me anymore in the same way. I didn't feel like I was able to be my best self as a human and as an educator. So it felt a little bit too institutionalized, a little bit too in a box for me at that time. So that's why I felt like I just needed to do something a little bit, a little bit outside the box, but still go back to that passion. And then starting the company with your husband, I mean, how did that happen? Did you guys always plan on doing it together or it was just something that you decided to do? And by the way, I checked out your Instagram and I know you stayed in your own place sometime a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, I stayed for my birthday actually in one of our places, yeah. Correct. And it looks beautiful. So I was like, okay, we definitely got to discuss that. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. So to answer your question about how we started and if we had always thought about it, well, my husband and I, just to let you know, we're technically still engaged because of the pandemic. It called off our wedding, but we have just moved to husband and wife. We're tired of the term fiance. So him and I, Mauricio and I, we started dating when I was a teacher and he was working as the president of a company, uh, an AI company. So he wasn't a programmer. He was 
more on the business side of things, but he was in the tech industry. So completely different. And I was teaching. So we were doing totally different things. And in our first year of dating, we started feeling both of us for different reasons. Like there was more and like we can do something that was more creative. And before I even met him, he had this dream about creating this house, which is now Hinterhouse. And he had been to Norway and Scandinavian countries and he saw the architecture there and he said, why is there nothing like this in Canada, even in the US? Why are we not seeing this? It's beautiful and it makes you feel calm and peaceful. And design has a very big impact on your well-being, on your mood. And nature does too, as we all know. So he had already had those thoughts. He was actually already working with an architect before we even met to create Hinterhouse, but he wasn't planning on, on renting it out as a hotel yet. He didn't know what he was doing with it. He thought it would just be his house, like a second home and potentially sell them as prefab homes. And when we met, we started, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other. And then we had it, we owned another home, which is Hintercabin. I think that's the one you saw that I was staying at on my birthday. And we said, hey, why don't we test it out? Like, what if we rent this home out and people can stay there? Maybe that's what we'll end up doing with Hinterhouse. So we rented out Hintercabin and the reaction was insane. Like people were going crazy over it. And that house is really just a prefab house. There's there's many other houses that are similar to it. It just, we designed it a little bit different. We tweaked it a little bit, but it's not a one of a kind house and people were freaking out over it. So we thought, okay, wait a minute. What are they gonna say when Hinterhouse is ready? This is something that doesn't exist yet. It is a one of a kind piece. So we've said, okay, maybe this is where our business is going. And that's how it evolved. And then we both left our jobs and fully jumped into Hinter. And Hinter now has become a hotel because we're, we're working on other houses as well. And essentially we see it as you're booking a stay with us. You're booking a space. It's not just a room. It's not just four walls. It's a space for you to create, to be inspired, to go back to your roots and find out what you need. Sometimes you just like need to turn inwards and think about what you need a little bit more of. I love it. And okay, so you built it before COVID started, right? So Hinter House was only ready in July 2020. So in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> Which is perfect, I guess, because I think at that point, I mean, for us, we were doing the same thing. We were trying to find, we were living downtown Toronto in a small one bedroom apartment. Beautiful view, but you couldn't do anything and you felt like stuffed. So we were trying to find any getaways, cottages, and everything was booked. So obviously you started your venture at the right time. We had had bookings already because we did pre-bookings before it was ready. And we had a lot of people booking from out of town, like from the U.S., from Europe even, because we also had already built our brand recognition. So people knew about us and, and just kind of were like, yeah, I want to stay in your new house. But when the pandemic obviously started, we started getting all these cancellations because they were like, okay, the borders are closed. We can't come. And we got a little nervous at first and then boom, it was the local economy, like the local um, population was like, oh my God, I need to stay there. And it was just packed. We're currently right now it's March 1st, 2021. And we are currently booked until end of November. We're booked solid. Like all we need is more spaces at this point. We're like, we need to hurry up. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so this is crazy. Obviously here to stay. So now how does it work? Do you guys go around Quebec, Ontario and buy up land and then trying to put a house in a serene environment? Like how does this process work? Yeah, that's it. We're very picky with the land and we're being even more so picky the next time around. We really want to find something very special, very unique. So that's why things are taking a little longer than we had hoped because we're still missing the component of the land, but we find land and then we work with different architects. So Hinterhouse was with one architect and then the next spaces <laughs> are going to be with a different architect. I say spaces because we're hoping to do more than one. 
and we're, we're always looking for different architects that can create magical spaces with us. And then, yeah, and then they become part of our brand and we rent them out. I absolutely love it. Okay, now what about a tree house? We have thought about it, actually. It is on our radar. It is. It's logistically, we worry sometimes about certain aspects, but it's definitely on the radar. I actually stayed in a treehouse with Mauricio. We, we stayed there uh, in Ecuador. That's where he's from originally. And we stayed two nights, I think, in this insane treehouse, like very simple, you know, nothing fancy in the middle of the jungle in Ecuador. It was crazy. And that's kind of what I was thought, because I, I, I saw your spaces and they're very open and they're creative. And it reminds me of that, like, you know, lost in the woods feel, but then you also have Wi-Fi and all the amenities. So it's kind of nice. I'm not, I'm not much of a camper. So when I saw your place, I'm like, this is a perfect amount of like outdoors, but then also indoors and nice. Yes. Like a magical retreat. That's exactly what we try to do. We try to like merge the indoors and outdoors. So like that we have a strong emphasis on design and comfort but then we we want to have so many windows so that you feel like you're outside even if you're safe and warm inside <laughs> and i absolutely love it because for me if i could live in a glass box somewhere in the woods on the ocean that would be my preferred uh, ideal spot so i think you guys nailed it now the interesting part that i find about you too is that neither of you have design background you are not real estate developers. You're not architects. You are just two humans with completely different background, unrelated background. And we're like, I think we want to do this. And you just get it done. Yes. Yes. We're, some would call us crazy. <laughs> so how, how does it work? You know, cause a lot of people, how everybody has great ideas and everybody wants to do something, whether it's in real estate or starting a business. And I mean, we'll get to your other business in a second, but with this, it's it's a big project to undertake. How does it work in terms of the process? Like, do you create a plan, budgeting? Like, how did you guys figure out how to make it work? One thing that's for sure is that people have to understand that a business, usually, especially something like Hinter, it takes a lot of time. This was something that was not just like, hey, let's do it. And right away it happens, you know, this has been in terms of when the idea, the seed was planted in Mauricio's head to when, let's say, Hinterhouse was actually ready to be rented out, that was three years. So I think that people also have to realize that things take time if they're done well. And in order to be done well, they will take time. They're going to take a lot of time and Effort, but I don't want to say effort in a negative way because sometimes we say like effort sounds exhausting, but effort in the sense of it takes your love. You have to put your heart into it. You have to put your soul into it. And if not, it won't be something magical and different. So I believe that you have to create something that doesn't exist for it to have such an impact. Now, I don't mean you need to reinvent the wheel or completely invent something new. What I mean to say is, I don't think any successful businesses are copy paste something else. I think that a successful business is taking something that might already exist, the concept, but creating your own spin on it, something new and refreshing, at least in the continent or country or city that you live in. So, you know, this was inspired by something that Mauricio saw in Norway, yes, but it didn't already exist here. And then it was that combined with so many other things, right? We talk about skill stacking. Skill stacking is taking all your skills that you have either as an individual or as a company. And literally I visualize it like stacking them like books on top of each other. And your formula, kind of like your code of what you have just stacked is unlike anyone else's. So you have this unique set of skills that nobody can have the exact same set as you. So I think that when it came to Hinter, between Mauricio's skills, my skills, time, and love, and then of course, finding the right architect, the right contractor, all of the other components, because it really is part of it. It's, it we wouldn't have been able to do it without all the artists involved that creates a business that is special and 
we have realized that Hinter really is special. There's something about it that people do gravitate towards and people love. And if someone's listening who wants to create something of their own, I would say, think of who you are. Don't see something and say, oh, okay, I want to do something similar. Because you'll always be that second one, right? Think of something that you have and maybe your partner or associates have and stack those skills on top of each other and find out what's that formula. What does it create? And what can you create with that? That's unlike other things that already exist. I absolutely love this. The skill stacking, you know, that nobody has the same qualities as you. Dr. Seuss, you're you than you. Like it's absolutely, absolutely true because you guys bring different types of skills into the relationship and then something magical is born out of it, which is a beautiful home and a space to create. And now you're building your empire. So you're stacking all the houses on top. So what's the size of that empire? How many, how many more creative projects are you guys going to do? We're not sure yet. We're navigating where we want to go, how we want to get there, how fast we want to get there too. Because there's something to say about your growth as a business. And sometimes growing too fast can be a problem, not only financially or for your own sanity, but sometimes you also have to sit back and think, how big do I actually want to be? Will my quality of life be affected if I, if we get too big? So that's something that we've played with and we're still finding the perfect ingredients or the perfect recipe to finalize that decision. But one thing I can tell you for sure, Maria, is that we are working on other spaces right now um, that are going to be in Quebec again. And there are other loose plans, but plans in the future, kind of in our next two to five year future of going elsewhere as well. So outside of Quebec, some even outside of Canada. So these are some little hints I can drop, but until I have it more solidified, I'll, I'll keep it a little hush for now. I love it and I cannot wait since you guys are gonna expand to all the different beautiful locations, North America and beyond, who knows? Very excited for that. So I'll keep up with the progress. Now, okay, you just said that you wanna make sure that you grow sustainably and you know there's such thing as growing too fast and now you're starting your own business. <laughs> Tell us more about that. Yeah. So again, I told you some might call us crazy. Um, we actually run like three, almost four businesses out of this home. So we're like serial entrepreneurs a little bit. I don't know what to call us, but that's it. I think that it's about creating things that can be sustained though on the day to day that you're not constantly running after things. And also being able to have a team in all businesses, you need a team. You can't just do it yourself because it's not sustainable, especially if you're not only doing one thing. We like to create businesses where we have teams and then we can kind of eventually pass the baton off to someone and say, okay, like now this business can run on its own without me being there all the time on telling someone to do something or asking someone, how's this going? So that's part of the journey as well. And with Bloom Class, in all fairness, I actually started it when it was April or May 2020, and we actually had to put a little pause on renting out our spaces. So I had all this time, this energy, I had nothing else to do, and I saw a problem, and I saw a need in the education space because of the pandemic and because obviously Kids were not in schools and parents were having a hard time. They didn't know how to navigate that. Also, socially, there was such an issue because, yes, these kids were on these Zoom calls, but there were like 20 to 30 kids on these Zoom calls. It was, I'm sure, a mess, as I, I don't blame anyone for that. I'm sure I would have found it really overwhelming as well as an educator or as a school. But these kids were craving social interaction where either one-on-one -on -one with a teacher or in a small group of four to eight kids with an educator as well so that they can, you know, make a joke, hear each other, what they had to say, contribute to some sort of project. So I saw that need and I had done some tutoring virtually 
at the beginning when the pandemic first started because I had still been working with a few kids from my old school and I started teaching them virtually and I realized, huh, okay, like I'm getting the hang of this. There's a lot you can do with this, you know, like you can share your screen, you can play games, you can, there's, there's a lot if you look for it. And these kids seemed to be craving that time with me where it was just one-on-one. -on -one. So that's when I thought of what if I make this a thing? Like I have a network of people I know and I know that how things happen, it's word of mouth. It then expands exponentially. And I know how to teach, that's for sure. And I also know a lot of like-minded educators who I trust and would think of to be part of my team. So that's just what I did. I spoke to a few educators I knew and then kind of ripple affected into a few other educators as well. Then I reached out to my network of parents and I created not only a space for one-on-one -on -one tutoring, but also virtual extracurricular programs like a debate club, a book club, coding programs, art, music. And this was something that I think made us stand out from the crowd of all the tutoring companies and the virtual tutoring companies. Like I said earlier, it's not copy paste, right? It's do something different, make it your own. And I think having those virtual extracurricular activities, that's why parents gravitated to us because they were like, oh, okay, my kid can be a part of something social and while also improving other skills. That was a huge reason people jumped in with us. And another aspect, of course, is the fact that we plant trees. I think that that was really appreciated, not only by parents, but I think even more so by the students because we're empowering them. We're telling them, you are planting these trees. We're not planting them, you are. Because if you didn't book this class with us, we wouldn't be planting that tree. So it empowers them to make a change in our generation of these children right now. I mean, they care about this. And luckily, because we need a generation who cares about it. We send them um, little certificates when they plant 10 trees and then 20 trees and then 50 trees. So it's really fun to empower youth like that and give them the tools to care about things other than just the curriculum that schools teach us, but some other things that matter equally, if not more. I absolutely love it. Okay, so let's dive in into how you created the business because again, a lot of people think they want to create something and here you are in the midst of the pandemic. You're like, I think I'm going to add something else on my plate and it's going to be this new awesome thing that's going to create an impact and empower kids and grow a better generation and teach them things. And now the company is born. How long did it take you to put it together? How did you create a platform from the idea to, I guess now, how long did it take you to get there? And then what were the steps? So for Bloom Class, it actually took a really short amount of time because I had nothing else to do. So I did put all my energy into it from end of April. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but it took me around a week to take the idea, create the website, reach out to a bunch of educators, and then send an email out to my network of parents. That's how I started it. And in that week, I mean, keep in mind, that was a week of probably like 10 hour days. <laughs> so if we will, like, I mean, we're looking at like 50 to 70 hours of work. It's not typically done in a week, especially if someone else has another job at the same time. So I had nothing else to do. That was all I was doing. And I was really excited about it. So I think that's what fueled me. I had never created a website before in my life. I created it with Squarespace. I found that was like very user-friendly. Mauricio did help me a little bit because he had more experience. He had created the Hinter website. And so he showed me the ropes a little bit. And then I just watched tutorials. I read up on it. I trial and error, you know, I played around with it a little bit. And then I made some mistakes. I learned from them. And I had the website up and running. I had no idea fully what I was doing. I had no idea what the programs were going to look like entirely that I advertised for at the beginning. I just wanted to see if people were into it. And then when I started getting signups for the programs, I was like, all right, 
now I have to figure it out. And then I figured it out. I spent so much time researching things. Like I run the debate club, for example. So I had already done a debate club when I was a teacher at my school. So I did have some experience with that, but I said, okay, how am I going to do this virtually? What's it going to look like? What's the structure? And I find for me, what really helps is taking a lot of notes, writing things down, mapping it out. I make Google Docs. I make like slideshows. I make all kinds of things where I can visually picture what's going to happen in each lesson. So I find that that's really helpful. And then once I had my feet on the ground and once I felt like, okay, I know how I'm going to run my programs. I also know that I trust those other educators to run theirs. Then I needed to figure out how am I going to market this? How am I going to get outside of these 150 parents that I know, you know, how am I going to get the word out? And that's when I started thinking about marketing, Instagram. I tried Pinterest. I realized that Pinterest didn't work for me. I had spent money on ads and I realized it was not the right fit because it wasn't a physical thing. Pinterest is so visual. People love to you know, save pretty things. And mine was such a concept. So it wasn't working for me. And then I also believe you have to put yourself out there. I was featured on a newsletter. I don't know if you've heard of the Good Trade newsletter. I will say no. It's an amazing newsletter. I highly recommend it. It features mostly women run businesses, black and brown owned businesses, sustainable businesses. It's really beautiful. And I wanted to be featured in that newsletter. So I had my friend send in like a recommendation, like saying, here's Bloom class. Let me know what you think if you're going to feature it on your newsletter. And it got featured. And there's no shame in that, right? I mean, why not? They won't know who you are unless someone tells them. So I think that you have to put yourself out there, take risks, just go for it. That's, that's honestly a huge part of how this all happened. Totally, totally agree with that. You have to put yourself out there. I mean, gone the days when you just hope to sit and do good work and somebody will notice you. That's just not how it works because media, social media, it's overcrowded. So unless somebody lets somebody know that you exist or you let them know that you exist, that's the only time they'll reach out. So good for you. Okay. So where are we with the marketing efforts? What worked? What didn't? What's the best strategy? Yeah. So for Bloom class, I'm still navigating part of that because I still think there's always new room for improvement. I think for me, as I mentioned earlier, Pinterest ads was a fail. Instagram works pretty well. I, I even got the courage to do some reels and get my educators doing these reels. And I think that that helps because parents understand a little bit more, like what is this program that I'm signing my kids up for? They want to know who this teacher is. They want to know more about who we are and what we're about being interactive on Instagram as well, like stories, showing up on stories, having quizzes, trivia, polls. That's always great for engagement. And I work sometimes with like mom influencers. We have a little arrangement where I let them try a class and then they talk about their feedback with their audience. I found that really helpful because people do tend, especially when it's for their children, they tend to really base it off of word of mouth. Sometimes no matter what marketing you're doing, they still want to hear from someone they know or trust that has tried it. And what else? I send out newsletters featuring our programs that are coming up. That, those are the things that work best for me. What about TikTok? Have you tried TikTok? Uh, I did like in the middle of the pandemic. I tried a little because, again, boredom. For my personal brand, I tried it a little bit. It just felt very forced for me. So I feel that like reels on Instagram is the happy medium that I'm willing to go to for my business. Yeah. The reason I'm asking is because I uh, looked into TikTok at the beginning of the pandemic and I was like, I can't like, not for me. Like I can't do the dances and I can't do all the things. And then a couple months later, I logged in, probably not actually a couple months, like I think November. I was like, okay, let's look at it because it seems like people are gaining traction. Okay, let's see. And then you have this huge amount of millennials who migrated from Instagram to TikTok and then Gen X and Gen Y and they're teaching things and they're not dancing anymore and they're not lip syncing. They're just like providing value. And then there's the reason I asked is because there's this couple of teachers they're super popular on tiktok 
And they tell stories about the fun things that happen in their class or how they teach. And that's why I thought, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> you could be great. <laughs> like social media right now is the way to get out there. And I always ask, you know, what are the things that every business owner is doing? Because the landscape changes so fast and you can't be on every platform. You can't be on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest because nobody has time. So I'm always trying to see like what works for who and like what is the strategy? I also want to mention I recently got onto Clubhouse, which is an invite only app for iPhone only, but I am really loving it. I think that there's a lot of connections to be made there as well. It's really interesting because you can't message on there you connect your instagram and then you can dm over instagram so it also brings more people to your instagram account i have increased my following on instagram since i'm on clubhouse and now i'm, I'm almost at a thousand followers on clubhouse right now and it happens fast i just got on mid-january i would say and i think it's just about like showing up being there being present raising your hand speaking it's a really cool place it's almost like live podcasts it's not the same reason you go to Clubhouse as for podcast. I think for a podcast, you want that like polished feeling and it's curated in a way that you're listening to something that will really 100% bring you value. And Clubhouse, I think it's, there's no guarantee for that because you don't know what people are going to say. You don't know if people are going to interrupt. There's, it's raw, but it's a great networking tool. I really feel that it's a very strong networking tool and an authentic one because people are understanding you as a human and then if they like you as a human and what you have to say, they're more likely to trust you and go towards what you're doing with your brands. So I think that's really interesting as well. I love that you brought up Clubhouse because that's how we met on Clubhouse in a random group and connected through Instagram. So you're absolutely right. I've been, I've been trying to get into Clubhouse because the whole idea is, you know, there's, there's just so many rooms that you can visit and it gives you so much access to awesome, smart human beings. And then for a while, I stopped listening to podcasts or audiobooks. And I just spent a lot of time on Clubhouse trying to see what rooms are out there, what information people are sharing. Because right now, because the platform is scaling so fast, a lot of people are just going in with a lot of value. So obviously, a fantastic tool. So what do you think? Is Clubhouse going to replace podcasts or not? I don't think so. I'm actually going to be starting my own podcast. So I definitely don't think so because otherwise I, I wouldn't start now. You know, it's one thing if you're already in deep, but um, I'm actually planning to start my own. It's in the works and probably in our, in the notes below the podcast, we'll, we'll give a little sneak peek there, but I don't think it replaces it. I think that it's a different purpose for it. I think that, you know, as I was saying earlier, a podcast, you go to learn, you also start to trust the host of the podcast and value them. And then you start, you also really enjoy seeing the different topics that they discuss and bring in. I think it's a beautiful thing to do while, like to listen to while driving or while cooking or painting or whatever it is that you can focus on that and kind of, it's almost meditative and educational at the same time. And for Clubhouse, it's different. I would say it's more of an interactive experience of a networking experience. It also gives a voice to many people, which is really interesting too. You know, someone can get on there and not have any followers or anything and on any social media platform, but they raise their hand and they have a voice. There's still some issues right now, I think with, you know, the accessibility to the app because it, you have to have an iPhone and it's not available in all countries yet. So I'm sure there's going to be talk about that. It's very unique. I think it will do very well, but I don't think it will replace podcast. I absolutely agree. So, I mean, what is the podcast going to be about? Can we ask that? Yes. It's going to be about growth and change in all aspects of life. And whether that is in terms of your personal life, your relationships, friendships, family relationships, romantic relationships, the evolution of that happens in those exchanges, sometimes you grow closer, sometimes you grow apart. Sometimes people are in your life for a reason, a season, a lifetime. And it'll also be about career changes. Maybe you, maybe you changed your mind. Maybe you want it to be one thing and then you don't anymore. And that's okay. 
we're human beings, we're constantly growing and evolving. And so will our passions, our interests, our connections. And I think that we need to, we need to realize that and be okay with that and navigate that growth. So that combined with sustainability and entrepreneurship, I'll be speaking with many incredible people who can add value to those topics. And I want to dive into that, into those journeys that we're all on. I love this. I love this. I definitely resonate with the topics because you're right. We're human beings and it's okay to not be something that you thought you were always going to be. And I think we forget that we're also human becomings. That's what I like to, to say. Like we're being, but we're also becoming something and it's okay to let the natural process. And then we also focus a lot on being human doings because it seems like we always have to do things and we forget to just be. Okay. So the idea for the podcast is, I guess, to maybe encourage people to create something of their own or to, if they're an entrepreneur, to find something else or to find a resource or tool or maybe figure out how to do things. And you've clearly done all of the above and you, you know how to create your own company, how to go through the creative process, how to give yourself enough time. Now, time management you are running multiple accounts, multiple businesses, and you're starting a podcast on the side. How do you manage it all? It can be challenging. I think what helps me is I do put everything in a calendar. I'm very big on my calendar and I block, even if it's like meeting a friend for a walk, which is so rare these days with the pandemic, but I will put it in my calendar. I put everything in there so I visually can see my days and I don't overload one day, for example, if I see, okay, Tuesday's really filling up this week. And then someone says to me, oh, you know, can we jump on a call? I will not suggest Tuesday. I want to make sure that even if I have a time slot or two, I don't want to be back to back in meetings. I want to make sure that I have time to meditate, to do yoga, to go for a walk, whatever it is that day, that's something more intuitive and inward, not only thinking about the outside world, but also the inside world in terms of what's going on in my body and my mind and my soul. So I think that is huge in terms of time management. I also am managing myself, my own me time. And also I think that's, what's really important. I have like this tool that I love. It's an app called Monday. It's like a to-do list, if you will, but I find it so colorful and fun and user-friendly so you can put in what you have to do that week or that day. You can order things in priority, like high priority, medium, low, or you can even put a timeline of when you want to get that done. You know, you can say, okay, March 1st to March 14th. And then it, it moves, like it kind of fills up like a bar filling up as the days go by. So you see, oh, okay, I have a tiny, tiny, tiny little space left in that bar. That means it's due like tomorrow, you know, but you can play with that. I find that super helpful. It's also about having a team. I am not doing any of these things completely on my own. Bloom class is my own project. Yes, but I have educators. I also am big on finding software and programs that do some things for you because that's that's what we're here for we're in 2021 there's so much technology find the technology that works for your business and make your life easier because it exists or hire someone even an intern there's so many options that you can hire someone or bring someone onto your team to make your life a little bit easier also i want to mention because i'm in business with my husband What's really important for anyone listening who either is in that same position or is considering it, the lines can get blurred between professional and romantic. You know, you need to create those boundaries. We decided in the summer, it was a really, really busy time. Hinterhouse had just been complete. It was a huge launch for us. It was exhausting. And plus I had like just gotten off the birth control pill. I was going through all these like mood swings I and mean, it was a crazy, crazy time. It was super overwhelming. And we created a boundary. We said 7 PM on weeknights after 7 PM. That is it. We do not talk about our business. That's it. We talk about anything else, not the business. We can watch a show. We can have a conversation. We can do anything, but it's nothing to do with Hinter or other businesses. And 
that really worked well. And then we even tried as much as we could on weekends to not talk about it at all. It was hard at that point because we didn't have a big team. So if something happened, if a guest needed something, we had to be writing to them. But that was a huge step for us too. We hired someone in the fall and things changed drastically. We don't have to be a slave to our phones anymore, which is huge. I absolutely love it. And thank you for bringing it up because my next question was, how do you manage to work with your significant other? Because I know for COVID, it's been crazy to even be in the same room with someone, let alone you are living with someone 24 seven, also running businesses. And that's your only point of contact or physical interaction on a daily basis. So thank you for sharing that. Now, if you could go back to your younger self or maybe recommend someone who's just trying to start a business or quit their job, like what would your advice be? My advice to my younger self on all fronts, whether it's in business or in life in general, would be to realize that it's never too late to make a change. It's never too late to change your mind, to do something that you're passionate about and to listen to your instincts. Like, listen, if there's a voice in your head saying to you that something isn't right, for example, maybe it's a relationship you're in. Maybe it's a friendship. Like maybe you feel like you're giving too much, not getting anything. Maybe it's the job you're at or the career you're in. It's just not giving you like that passion anymore, that excitement when you wake up in the morning to go, then change, do something different. And yes, like think about it and don't just jump in and, you know, quit and then like be broke and have nothing or no one like, no, do it responsibly, but do it because you only have one life to live in, in my belief system. I'm not a religious person at all. I see it as like, we are here, this is what we have. And I'm okay with that. But that actually makes me live really, really enthusiastically because the way I see the world is this is what we have, our life, and we don't know how long it is. We don't know how short it is. And I believe that we're here to make a difference. We all are here to have, to give our gift in some way, whatever that is. And let's do it let's live, let's create, let's do what we want. And life is just too short not to follow your heart and do what feels right. I love this answer. And I totally agree with you. Life is too short. And my, my biggest thing is just start, do it now, do it scared, do it afraid, do it when you're not ready, just do it, just start and little steps, they will add up. But there's one thing that you mentioned, you know, do something that you're passionate about or find your passion. How did you find your passion like you know from start if you look in a linear way you know I would have never thought if you were a teacher you would start your own business and you do other things how do you arrive at something that you really love doing well I think that it comes down to a few things it comes down to opportunity what does happen and where your life goes what paths you cross when I met Mauricio I had before that I had never I always knew I might not be a teacher my whole life I actually really thought that but I didn't know what I would do. I didn't know what it would be that I would do. But when I met Mauricio, he already had had this idea. So I think that the opportunity then kind of was put in front of me a little bit. And I was like, oh yeah, I like that. That, that sounds fun. So I think that part of it is opportunity and fate, if you will, what comes your way, what crosses your path. Just keeping your mind open and just, I guess, yeah, being in tune with that when something comes up. Exactly. Like not saying yes to everything because that's also too much, but being open-minded and saying like, oh, this is an opportunity. Does this work for me? Is this something that could be magical for me? Then keep your mind open. And another thing is also being very self-aware and in tune with yourself, listening to those thoughts in your head. Whether again, like that can be in any aspect of your life. Listen look inward and think like, what makes me happy? What do I get excited to do? What purpose do I think I give the world? Some of those questions, they're hard questions. They're not easy questions, but journaling or making mental notes about what you're good at, what, what makes you feel your best self, that can sometimes lead to realizing what you want to do. I've always known I'm a creative person. 
So whatever I was going to do, it had to have some creativity in it. And part of what I do for Hinter is I'm the experienced designer. So I create an experience which feels exciting, relaxing, peaceful, but well-organized at the same time for our guests. So I think that that gives me the creativity. I also do the writing, like for the website, a lot of the writing is done by me or the Instagram, the captions, it's done by me. So that gives me my creative outlet. I think you have to think about, you know, what are the skills you have? Like we talked about our skill stacking, but also what are the passions you have? And it takes some time, but if you put those things together, you can start to think about what can I create? What can I offer the world? Just start stacking your hobbies, your skills, and then see maybe potentially you can monetize it. And that's how it works. It's so simple. I just think like, what can I possibly sell? You know, what could I sell? Who am I? I'm a teacher. I don't know. Like I, I work in a school. That's all I'm good for. You know, you start to think that, but you have to dive deeper. Go back to when you were a kid. What did you like to do? You know, or was there ever like something that you did even for a friend, for a favor or for a school project or something that made you feel excited and really passionate? Like dig deep, because I'm sure if you dig deep and you think about those moments that impacted you, you can find one or two that you could put together and see how that can that can be something you can offer the world. Oh, I absolutely love this. Okay, this is going to be this is going to be the soundbite. I'm telling you this right now. Okay, so resources, books, anything that you would recommend to someone who is either a trying to figure things out just like you, or just in general that you know, our every human should read, should know, should go check out. I'm going to go with your second option, something that every human should read, and I think this applies to anything in life. I recently read Untamed by Glennon Doyle in the summer. I read it three times. I am that obsessed. I even made a book club. I love the book. I literally just finished it two weeks ago. It is so good. So good. Yeah. Welcome to the cult. <laughs> so it's, It really feels like a cult sometimes. And some people hated it and that's okay too. Like I know people who hated it. I don't think it was perfect in every way, but I think it was so important, so many things that she said. And some of them to me were like, yeah, okay, I know, I already do that, sure. And others to me were like a pat on the back. Yeah, good job, you're doing that. And you used to not do that. And other things were completely new. And I think that whoever reads it, male, female, it doesn't matter, you're going to apply to things in different ways and different parts of it will resonate. And the main thing that I got from that book is, be you. Don't let anything hold you back from being who you are. And like, don't let society tell you who you are. Only you know who you are. And there's so much pressure from outside to fit a mold. And even for parents, I'm not a parent yet, but parents to raise their children to fit that mold and, and so on and so on. And I really believe that she hit the nail on the head with breaking free from the cages that we're kind of put into and we're, we're conditioned to thinking we're in. I just think it is so important and it can be applied as well to business. Like don't be in a cage in whatever job you are in. If it feels like a cage, it's not right. Open the door. Even if you don't want to break free yet and you just want to, you just want to like, get your feet wet, start to like smell the spring air. Okay. What's out there? What's happening? Just like open the door to that cage and let it simmer a little. If you're not ready to fully break free. I absolutely love this advice. So the one thing that we've done with the seven millennial in terms of our rebrand this year is doing a lot of the side hustles, you know, not starting full fledged businesses because from my background in tech and finance, I know the percentage of businesses that survive and thrive and the ones that fail. So for a lot of people, quitting your job cold turkey could be scary, especially if you have obligations. You don't have the right to quit just because you want to do something. Start with a side hustle. You know, start with that hobby that, you know, wets your senses and then figure out how we can maybe 
stack something and maybe monetize it and maybe figure a few things out. So I, I really, really love that. It's like, you know, just start, open the door. And if you're not ready, just see, maybe it's something that could work. Just try it out. Okay. So one thing that we ask every guest on the show is a millennial is, a millennial should be, and a millennial is not. Okay. So a millennial is someone who knows that they can transform their life at any moment. Someone that knows that change is healthy and possible. Um, a millennial should be curious, open-minded, and in tune with themselves. And a millennial is not stuck. You are never stuck. There is always another door. There is always another window. And if something feels too static, too much like it's keeping you in a cage and controlled, then break free. I love those answers. Oh, I think this is the conversation that we're having for, for this whole time. Just break free. Just do something fun. Just go out there. Life is too short. I love it. Okay. So is there something else that we haven't discussed that you would like to let me know? Anything else you want to share? It's your stage. Oh, thank you so much, Maria. I think, I think you've carried this conversation so beautifully. And I think what's really important to me more so than sharing my journey is letting people know advice and how giving value to others. And I, I do feel that we've touched on that a lot today. So I, I do feel that we've achieved that as a quick recap. I really do hope that whoever's listening feels inspired and happy and if you don't, for whatever reason, in anything in your life, I really just hope that you start to listen to that voice and you start to think about how you can change that and how you can live your best life. And that's all I hope for. And I'm just so happy to be here with you. I think that the Savvy Millennial podcast is incredible. And I'm so excited because maybe one time you'll be coming on my podcast. We have to talk about that. I love it. Thank you so much. Okay. Where do people find you? And I mean, tell us everything. First of all, where do they book the stay? I mean, not right now, but later on this year. <laughs> we book about nine months in advance. So people are starting to book November, December. So I would recommend that people, if you do want to stay with us, which I really hope to host anybody listening, Go now, do it now, okay? <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> Just I, I, I do recommend that you book way in advance. That's for sure. But we do have a wait list too, so you can always reach out to me. You can book the stay at hinter.com. Hinter is like winter, but with an H. And um, you can check out our Instagram, Hinter Company. We also have Hinter House on Instagram. And you can check my own personal brand, Emily Padan where I talk all things entrepreneurship, sustainability, a little bit of my personal life as well. And then, of course, there is Bloom Class, which is bloom.class on Instagram. And if you want to go to our website to book a class for your kiddo or your teen, then you can go to bloomclass.co. And, of course, you can always just reach out, slide into my DMs on Instagram if you have any questions about anything that we've talked about today. And then also ping you on clubhouse and then once the podcast is out obviously give it a listen and leave a nice review oh yes of course yes clubhouse is also my my full name emily Fidan, so well thank you emily for being here with us so grateful you're welcome anytime thank you so much maria this was a pleasure thanks for having me